0: Having good measurement is is the most important part of marketing. I think what privacy is doing is forcing everyone to reconsider whether you can actually look at an individual's behaviors you know, from the start to the end of the journey. Yeah, because because marketing is never really about trying to reach one, one person or groups, groups of one. And I think one of the real sad things is that with all of this great power of seeing which people fit on which ads and bought which products, We've really lost the point of incrementality, or sorry, the point of measurement, which is to understand the incremental value of of advertising. Well, I I think unfortunately, particularly for smaller businesses, measurement is owned by Google, Meta, uh, Amazon, and to a lesser degree, uh, Apple.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode four, season three of The App Pod. In this episode, we're going to be discussing measurement, and I'm joined by the media legend himself, Rob Webster. Rob is the Global VP of Strategy at Control Versus Exposed, a marketing growth consultancy. Measurement of media effectiveness is the number one challenge for most advertisers that I speak to, whether that be because of platforms that self-bias to their media, regulatory changes, Apple and Google doing the various things that they do with alternatives to the cookie, and so much more. In today's episode, we talk about all of these things, but also how brands can proactively react to them. Rob shares tons of tips from his extensive knowledge of the space, as well as sharing how he thinks measurement will transform in the next 18 months. Please feel free to click subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on and add a rating, it really does help. Anyway, without further ado, this is episode four, season three of The AdPod. Hey Rob, how are you doing? Welcome to The App Yeah, hey
0: Wayne, great to be here and uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for having me along. I'm doing very well. How
1: are you? Yeah, no, really good. Yeah, really good. I feel like weather's slightly getting better and my mood is lifting, so that, all, <laughs> that always helps. Um, so I guess a, a, a place we normally start is for those to listening to better understand our guests. So if you wouldn't mind, for those who don't know you, would you mind giving us just a quick intro to your career and what you do now?
0: Uh, yeah, sure. Thank you. So I've I've worked in the sort of the technical side of uh, digital marketing for about 20 years. Uh, I was at startups that got uh, bought by Yahoo and AOL uh, back at the early part of my career. Technical roles, but did a lot of search and social and display all, all at the start, which was great. Um, for a long time, I was agency side, digital, and then uh, MediCom running uh, data tech and, uh, and programmatic. Uh was at a, a company called Cremtan, who had their own sort of DSP, DMP combo. And then for the last five years, I've been a consultant. First of all, we're running a couple of affidavits with Nick King, uh, Council Marketing Solutions. And then we sold to uh, Goodway Group CVE um, over the summer, where I'm now VP of Innovation and Strategy.
1: Awesome. Um, and something we're introducing this series for our audience to know the guests a bit better. So it'd be great if you could share something interesting that people in the industry might not know about you.
0: Yeah, well, I hope it's interesting. So I suppose. I'm kind of a second generation um, sort of uh, IT uh, person. Both my parents uh, worked in IT, and they actually met it at BP in the IT department. And you know, I grew up you know, around the world, often in places like Abu Dhabi for actually a long time, because of where their work uh, took them. But it was my mother that really you know, taught me about. Yeah, she taught me how to use a database when I was eight years old, running a building a database for Jaguar cars. I think it was was the first one I built. And that's always kind of uh, fueled my kind of my belief in, yeah, data and technology can solve uh, the world's uh, challenges.
1: Awesome. 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 Cool. And I mean, today we're going to be talking about measurement. I know it's a topic that you advise on, you write a lot about, have a ton of opinion on. So super excited to get into some of the detail. Uh, But before we do, it'd be great to take a step back and think like, you know, how do you define digital media measurement?
0: For me, we uh, digital media measurement or media measurement is, is trying to understand what impact is your media campaigns having. You know, how many people have seen it? Um, what and what do they do uh, uh, as a response. So it's 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 the measurement of media and, and marketing uh, uh activity as a sort of a
1: short definition. Okay, cool. And then I mean that, that sort of field it's been evolving since the, you know, when people are advertising with scribes and on slates, and now we've got all these different things like how have you seen like measurement kind of evolve since the time you've been in, in the industry
0: well it's been huge so i started in 2001 just after the uh, the dot com crash uh, as a sort of uh, cheap labor and yeah one of the first things that everyone loved about sort of bringing me in was uh, that i was good at excel and it's because at that time media measurement was growing from something that you could do on the back of a napkin to something that required you know reams and reams of data and yeah, you know, there's been that real, real sort of evolution that digital marketing has really increased the granularity of what's happening, and through the ubiquitous third-party cookie, also um, increased the sort of the, uh, the the direction of how you run, yeah, you know, the sort of the yeah the, the, you know, the uh, definitive direction of which person saw which ad and delivered uh, a sale. So that, that's been a, a huge um, uh, change. I think direct response measurement's been happening for a long time, anyone that ever ran door drop campaigns in the eighties, yeah, will have been using a reasonable amount of data and a fair amount of science to sort of execute. But, but again, there's just the wealth of data that's come through since the internet age is, has transformed things. And we're going through another a real shift today with the, with the advent of privacy uh, and identity uh, really changing how, how measurement is working yeah, kind of for the, for the next uh, generation.
1: Yeah. It's, I, I, I think we just had this massive inflection point of, you know, as you said, you have you know, the outdoor door drops and sort of panel-based measurement, which still exists uh, and still probably will uh, always continue to exist. And then like the mindset from an advertiser or bio, in particular, was just hover up what all the data we possibly can. Um, you know, back in the day, that was like you know, data management platforms and the like, and then let's we'll measure it. But like what now? What privacy is doing is going well. Is that really the best way to, to, to like, hover up all this user data and then after the fact understand it needs to be a bit sort of a better, better trade-off? How do you kind of see that trade-off like happening between like privacy and advertising? Like it's just it pertains so much to measurement.
0: Well, I think what Privacy is doing is forcing everyone to reconsider whether you can actually look at an individuals' behaviors, you know, from the start to the end of the journey. Uh, because whenever you do that, you know, that that data kept could be used. Um, for all purposes. But I think before looking at that, I think you've also got to think about whether that's a good idea in the first place. Yeah, because marketing is never really about trying to reach one, one person or groups, groups of one. And I think one of the real sad things is that with all of this great power of seeing which people put on which ads and bought which products, we've really lost the point of incrementality, or sorry, the point of measurement, which is to understand the incremental value of, of advertising. Um, and right now, if you think about how Google Analytics works, you know it, it's rewarding. Most of what it delivers goes to if you look, uh, goes towards brand search, or, um, or or lower lower end search uh, funnel terms. It doesn't actually consider the whole the whole journey uh, at all. So I think I, I think actually what the cookie did was that ability to check uh, to track individuals made everyone very lazy, and everyone really kind of expects these amazing results from from bottom of the funnel activity rather than really thinking what is the actual, the real world value um, of, of that advertising. And consequently, I think most companies, even with cookies working like f- five years ago, didn't measure properly and they were still making lots and lots of mistakes. And the output of that was it made, frankly, it made the, like, the giants like Google and, and Meta look even more dominant than actually they were and actually sort of helped increase their their dominance. So I really actually hope that this this privacy piece actually can be a win-win the industry. Yes, it makes things an awful lot harder, and there is a real risk for smaller companies that they might lose some of that ability to um, effectively find uh, their customers. But actually, it will encourage better practice, uh, which should actually reward you know our content creators better, and also look after um, uh, the consumers more completely. Because yeah, for me, having good measurement is, is the most important part of marketing. If you get measurement right, it, it, has someone really a knock-on impact, because at the moment, uh, there's an awful lot of uh, talk about things like fraud or bad content. These things proliferate because measurement doesn't adequately allow advertisers to remove remove that away. Uh, and so I think through improving measurement practice, we can actually really kind of help uh, improve the, these other areas and, and kind of you know, fix the fix the whole pie, as it, as it were.
1: Yeah, I, I entirely agree. And I think, um, uh, you know, I, I know people have always... Like in more recent times, they said, oh, the cookie's flawed, the cookie's flawed. It's like, well, yeah, for the last 20 years, everyone has known that, but there really hasn't been a sort of catalyst for change. Um, and this is a good time. I think regulation and privacy around the world, this is the catalyst for change. And as you say, take a step back and go, well, what do we actually need to do? Um, I also really enjoyed your point around how measurement works for sort of smaller companies versus big ones. And so like, you know, if you're, one of the nine million advertisers on facebook you just want to go in and trust that it's you know reporting effectively on what you're investing if you're a much bigger advertiser, you might have you know more custom models or you know third-party companies you use um so i, I also think with measurement it, it can't discriminate and just only be an access by large companies who can afford it you know advertising as a a means for growth for small business is so important particularly in challenging economies so yeah I'm, I, th- I think that can't be forgotten like this can't just be Png you know the big a- <laughs> your agency big agencies on stage just talking about it like it has to also be appropriate for everyone
0: yeah I completely agree and I, and I think really what it's about is um, proper education around the, diff- the different concepts so to the point you just made if you're a larger advertiser, you can afford to spend the money on fixing some of the challenges that are existing with the measurement. You, know, you, can, you can have your media mix modeling. You can use you know, the best digital, digital attribution. And you can have a lot, you know, strong testing criterion frameworks. And you can also invest in lots of experts so that helps you understand how all of that fits into a, into a whole. It's quite difficult. But you know, as a larger company, you, you have the ability to, to, to do that. And, and, and the very best advertisers are spending a huge amount of money on measurement to drive the rest of their their criteria through, the rest of their marketing through. But if you can't afford that, then then what do you do? And for me, the first part is that the industry has to become an awful lot more honest about where it is with measurement. I mean, one thing I don't think you hear enough is people talking about the limitations of their of their given um, methodology. You know, I don't think Google, for example, has done enough to sort of explain that um, Google Analytics or Google Campaign Manager, their, their, their measurement platforms. good at this but watch out for incrementality for example or make sure that you consider these these other areas and the reason for that is is they they really benefit um from you know that that uh the bias that those platforms provide you know both those platforms in my view over reward bottom of the funnel paid search and under reward you know great quality content and and media uh, uh environments yeah, if, if all advertising was done with GA as a base, you'd never invest money on TV, right? And uh, yeah, TV's been the best ad platform you know, for the last sort of 60, 70 years. And, and I think similar, but in a different way, is also true of Meta, right? I, think, I don't think Meta is enough to say, well, look, here's the benefits of our tracking platform, because there are a huge amount of benefits in terms of how, how um, actionable it is and how, uh, and how it's able to sort of showcase what, what, what media led to what action but also the, the limitations in that it doesn't look at other channels and that you have to be very careful around things like incrementality. And if we can start to educate everybody about the, the strengths and weaknesses of all these different platforms, we, we can all end up in a, in, a, in a much better place. So I think as well, I think particularly at the middle and lower end of marketing, there's been a sort of – the respect that needs to be given to measurement professionals has almost been lost a little bit because because you, like, you can log into a platform and see – Twenty sales yesterday, people think that you don't need to have expertise to be good at measurement. You know, that those, that some, many, many companies take those numbers to be gospel, and actually they do require their own level of interpretation. You know, how many of them would have happened anyway? You know, what is the true marginal benefit of, of the money that you're giving? And, and also, what you know, increasingly with the world of identity, where are the blind spots? Because yeah, today, yeah, if, if you and I make an identical journey to see an ad, and make a purchase, but I do it on an Android phone, and you do it on an iPhone. The chances are that you know mine will be tracked, and yours won't be. And and what that's doing is it's it's, it's seeing lots and lots of companies missing out on those uh, Apple iPhone audiences because they're not tracked so well. And and the direct response budget for me, for media you can't track is zero.
1: Yeah, and you know I should, as you are talking through that, i was just thinking like you know who kind of owns this? Like if we just you know assume that. The campaign manager and GA has been the most well adopted for the digital measurement platform, and Meta as well have you know everything baked into there. But they also are massive media companies. So how do you really ever trust that that's completely independent of spending more money on their media? Um, like, what who owns measurement in future? Like, how do you, how do buyers of all shapes and sizes feel like there's genuine trust and confidence in numbers when they're being reported?
0: Well, I think, unfortunately, particularly for smaller businesses, measurement is owned by Google, Meta, uh, Amazon, and to a lesser degree, uh, Apple, because they control the platforms that are most trusted by uh, by advertisers. And yeah, I think if you, if you read the details of the DOJ case, which isn't particularly against Google, which isn't particularly around measurement, but it does show that if, if there is an internal choice about whether you make something slightly more reliable and better for advertisers or that will make the company more money, I think you can come to your own conclusions about what, what will actually happen in those cases. And because of the, the way that these algorithms are working and becoming increasingly nebulous, it's becoming harder and harder for, particularly if initiated, but even experts like us, toward it, what's actually happening. So you do end up with this uh, uh, bad practice. I think companies that have more money to spend have, have recognized this gap, and that's why they're spending money on programs that are much, much more uh, uh, decentralized, and much much more sort of more sort of independent. Yeah, you know, um, I think media mix modeling or econometrics, depending on what you call it, or predictive modeling, that's making a real resurgence now, and it's going through an upgraded phase. And the great thing about that world is that it isn't owned by anybody. You know, uh, the reason the giants own digital attribution through platforms so much is because they own customer data in terms of the login uh, uh, data that's required to make it happen. And so it's very, very hard for an innovative new company to get involved in that space because you just don't have the the depth of data to, to handle the, that measurement challenge. But in the world of media mix modelling, which <clears throat> uses predictive analytics, it doesn't re- rely on following a customer around the web, it's much, much more democratic. Uh, and so is less owned by anybody, but also is quite expensive and therefore much, much harder to be used by, by smaller businesses.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like we're sort of covering, we're leading up to our next question because we've been covering sort of challenges like regulation, the gatekeepers, Apple, um, democratise access to data, trust in the data. Like all these challenges we're talking through, I will say know, are massive areas of opportunity if and when we do get it right as an industry. But like, what would you say is like the single biggest challenge if you're an advertiser today measuring your campaigns?
0: I think that there's, one, there's no one methodology that works in all situations. If you look at the different options that you have, right, so you could use like analytics, or you could use an ad server, or you could use medium mix modelling. They all have, and there's also other you know, ex, uh, explosive control uh, tests that you can also run. All of them are super valuable, but they're all going to give you slightly different numbers. And when you're then trying to talk to a CFO about how much budget you want to go and then spend on a given a given campaign next month, yeah, they don't they don't have that uh, they don't have that context or that knowledge to look at all these different pieces, and they also I think don't know that they need to look know all of it. There's been that kind of respect lost. So actually, I think the single biggest challenge actually is that there's no one currency for measurement um, which everyone can agree on and, and rely on. And what that means is that you then end up with sort of you know, sort of perverse incentives and people almost like hiding from the truth a little bit, uh, which actually allows for so much you know, bad practice to to, to occur. So, yeah. You know, I think if we could do one thing, it would be to al- align the industry around a better and more consistent way of measuring, uh, which has which has depth to it, because the way you want to measure as a smaller business will be different to as a larger business. But if you could have that common framework, then we would be able to move so many things uh,
1: forward. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Um, I think about this a lot. Like If you're a CFO and a big advertiser, And you've been reporting your numbers of how measurement or how media has been working based on whatever measurement criteria you you have and that's you know it's a big chunk of your revenue that goes back into advertising for growth or sustaining market share whatever your objectives are when that's being challenged and also the economy in itself is being challenged it's like well what do i trust what do i actually look at what is that what is the framework i use to measure like my media effectiveness holistically um and, I, you know, I think that's probably what's keeping up, like marketers at night. It's like, oh, I'm going to have to try and get a budget for next year or next quarter or whatever it is. It's like, but how, how am I going to really measure this?
0: And I think, yeah, when you, when you uh, started, you remember the word the word DG, right? The was everything <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, back sort of 2010 to 2014 kind of uh, era. But the d is now harder than ever and less meaningful than ever because if you have a report from Google and a report from, from, from Meta, they don't de dupe to use that, that phrase. Uh, for those that don't know, it means that you can have the same sale reported in, in both. You then get a report from Amazon, it's exactly the same problem. Report from affiliates, same problem. Now, of course, there are ways of de it, to use that, that old phrase, but these methods are less reliable because they generally rely upon joining up uh, <clears throat> across a common ID, which brings in all of those challenges of, of, um, uh, of privacy. For me, as a result, the, the phrase the media-attributed sale needs to disappear. And I think that um, CFOs, CMOs, the whole board needs to align around the total number of sales and the growth of the total number of sales. Um, because if we can start to then reward marketing for business growth, you then actually move um, behavior back to doing the right things rather than the wrong things. So what do I mean by that? Well. If you're trying to reward media-attributed sales, then you will follow tricks to attribute as many sales as you can. So the ubiquitous cookie bomb. I don't know if, uh, if everyone, people don't know what that means. The cookie bomb is basically have everyone, quote-unquote, see an ad or be exposed to an ad so that they get the, the cookie on their machine, even if it's a, a fraction of a second or below the fold. It doesn't matter because then that could be attributed to them and that will be a media-attributed sale. Now, that is not good behavior that encourages low-quality, cheap advertising and, and also leads to things like, like fraud and all sorts of issues. If we say, well, look, we're no longer going to look at... You know, that, that metric is now no longer fit for purpose because, A, it encourages bad behavior, and, B, it almost doesn't really work in a cookie-less environment anyway. Let's instead look at total number of sales companies have and how you grow that against what would be the, the base. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, the, the base number of sales of the sales will happen without any advertising, which has been a concept that's been around for for decades from predictive modeling. If we could apply that is the you know, the the number one KPI for marketing, I, I think we can all you know quickly start to to move forward from this mess of trying to attribute as many sales as we can.
1: Yeah, and it's it's interesting because as you start to filter down from there what that means for budgeting like for example you know if you're an advertiser and you are working with media attributed sales you'll have you know internal teams fighting over the budget so you know is it the crm or is it the website is it the tv team or the digital team or the social media team whatever it might be and those sort of like internal i'm going to call them conflicts because they kind of are um isn't productive really to like that end goal so how do you think about that? Like reshaping all of the sort of structures and teams and objectives to a to one common goal, as opposed to you know, how it, how you know, the most prevalent method at the moment is each team gets their own objectives, their own kind of budgets.
0: Right. So the way I look at it is kind of layers of the onion, right? Because unfortunately, we have quite a fragmented market now, um, and normally is as, as Things like digital marketing become more um, sophisticated. They actually they actually uh, come together, but we're seen the reverse, uh, largely because of privacy and identity has been has been one reason, and also because we're going through a a period of time when technology is changing rapidly, and that's meant that the, the world is split, um, fragmented. It will come together again at some point, but right now we have this, this split world. And therefore the metrics that you use to optimize different channels will will be different. But as you say, you need to have that one that one common goal. So for me, you know, every marketing department's goal should be uh, growing your number of customers and your and your revenue. And yeah, you know, when you run brand campaigns, that has more of a long-term outlook. And when you run direct response campaigns, it's much, much more you know, short-term. This is you know, marketing 101 here. Now obviously that means you need to have an idea about what would happen anyway. Um, which is not easy to find out, but but there are techniques that you can use to sort of work out uh, what that might look like. And then the goal is to be well. How do we how do we overachieve that? And then once you tap that as that macro goal, you're going to have to go and divide that down and go right. How does that, that apply to what we then do within each within each channel? And this is where the skill of a really really good cross media planner comes into its own and supported by the skill of a really, really good cross-media measurement analyst. And, and these two people need to be really at the heart of a marketing department, to, you know, the planner trying to work out where to put, put that money, and, and, you know, or the planning team and the measurement team trying to work out, well, what actually happened and, and did it work? And they need to work arm in arm, in my view, with all of the people who are delivering each individual channel. Now, you will have disagreement because if you're running display and you haven't been given much of the uptake, you might feel hard done by. And it's up to you then to make the case as to why, A, you did better than was shown by the measurement system, uh, and B, what you'll do in future to drive growth for the business. But if, that, but if that can then be written down and communicated back to the planning and the measurement teams with, with, with quality, you'd have this nice cycle where every, every month you, you improve your knowledge of what works, uh, improving knowledge about how to measure and and ultimately drive the business forward. That that's that cycle that needs to um, to happen. And I think it's really really important that everyone gets behind this this cycle. Uh, I think I think CMOS have been really hamstrung because they haven't got numbers that the board trusts they can go to because of all these challenges around around attribution. And you've seen declining sales not because of any real-world decline in some sort of situations, because you know, Apple turns off the um, you know, iOS tracking, for example. So, you, so you, you need to have everyone really buy into the fact that this is the, this is the way it works. It's all about total growth of of sales and revenue. But there are then quite detailed layers for then how you split that out between campaigns. But that the experts that you hire are trusted um, to be able to communicate back to the board, and, and those figures then are taken as as, as the truth. And if you have any doubts, the solution is to invest more money in measurement to, uh, to, to be able to get a more certain answer. For me, you know, that, that's, that, that's the really vital piece. For smaller businesses that have smaller teams, again, I think it's, it's really about education and understanding the, the, the strengths of what you're doing and the limitations and what you can then do about that to, to handle that level of risk.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, like, you know, there's some. There's, these, there's, a, there's some practical things but I think the the, the point stood out the most was the sort of cycle that you explained and like it's almost more a mindset but you know, if you, once you start to understand what you're there to do collectively um, and you understand the limitations and trade-offs with measurement because you've kind of, you know, upskilled yourself in understanding that, it's then a mindset of well, how do we collaboratively work together with ourselves internally or with our partners and I think that's it's probably why management consultants still still exist but like you know changing the ways that you work and changing the mindset of how you work I think and it's going to be so important if you want to solve for measurement and you really want to trust that what you're spending and what you're doing is actually working
0: yeah and crucially that that whole process is is to be used to educate anyone that's involved in the decision making process so what tends to happen today is, is that you'll you'll find the giants of you know Google, Meta, Amazon talking directly to CEOs, CMOs, and CFOs about how much money they should get in you know, next quarter. You'll find media agencies pitching the same things. And these companies, you know, they, they have a cycle that works, right? So they do pretty much the same pitch every month. Yeah, you, know, you, you spend more with me, i will make your extra 10 million dollars or whatever. They're all using the same numbers, often based across uh, GA or, or, or MetaZone, a tracking system. And what you want to do is you want to make sure that, that anyone who's having those meetings is geared up with the right level of knowledge to be able to have a sensible chat about, about the, the reality here. You know, are those numbers incremental? Are those numbers deduped? Is that the real value of what we're getting through here? What level of risk uh, is there? Um, and, you know, have you considered how this overlaps with, you know, brand campaigns or, uh, or, or other forms of media? And if, you, and if you have that, and you have real respect then for the experts who really kind of dig into it, um, uh, then I think you can really move forward. And I think, I think that really is a crucial thing, that people actually respect that process uh, and act upon it accordingly. I think, I think for too long now, I mean, how many times have you heard advertisers say, oh, we just run off, off post-click advertising?
1: In, in yeah, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, because it's it's free, and it, and it's very easy for everyone to to look at and see. Um, but all that does is drive the lowest of the bottom of the funnel. Um, yeah, advertising.
1: Yeah, and, and you over rely on the wrong measurement framework. You can almost optimize yourself out of a business. You know, you can almost like find a way to not be spending in uh, areas that you probably should. And actually that, that sort of leads to my next question because you know, Les Burnett recently wrote an article in The Drum. And for those who don't know who Les Burnett is, like a really well-respected marketing sort of strategist. And he wrote around how uh, digital attribution is flawed. You know, anyone who read the article is like, yeah, not, no, no surprises here, but it did get a lot of traction. It got a lot of uptake from, um, from the industry. Did you have a chance to read it? Kind of what were your thoughts?
0: I did, yes. And, um, yeah, I, I thought it was a very, very good article. I, I think at this point, point, uh, first of all, it's really great to start to evangelise and to sort of educate the market, some of the flaws. I think crucially, though, and, and you did this a bit, I think we need to do it a lot more, is to have a think about how do we then show a better way? Because I think one thing that really scares folk off is... Um, if you imagine you work in, in, in uh, uh, for, for a major advertiser, if you go to your boss and say our measurement's broken, and they go, Well, how are you going to fix it? You go, I don't know. Then everyone, no one moves forward, right? Everyone's kind of scared of grasping the metal. And I think what's important is to say, Well, look, the way we're currently doing it is broken, but if we make these real world small steps, we could get to a better place. Um, yeah, I think for anyone who on LinkedIn has seen Dr. Fu's work on, on fraud, yeah, Dr. Fu is incredibly smart and knowledgeable about how to um, understand where fraud might exist. But I think focus is too much on the negative and not much of going. Well, if we can do these things, we can improve, and there's a solution. So I think as a, what we need to do here is really kind of focus. How do we get the traction by by going? Well, look, here's the issue. Here's the uh, here's the wolf, as it were. But also, how how do we solve how do we how do we solve for that practically and in the short term, so that we don't all um, kind of get that collective uh, uh, fear, and and what you want is to have that self fulfilling sort of cycle, where month for month everyone wants to go and understand these problems, and and start to solve for them because we'll be in a better place next month, rather than rather than panicking that we haven't actually got that you know, that path
1: forward. Yeah, there's so much fear <laughs> like within the industry and like. What does the sort of near and future term look like when, you know, identity and tracking availability kind of reduces? It's just a huge opportunity. And, you know, I know, um, you know, your company, Canton and now CVE, advise a lot of big customers and, you know, our clients and brands. And this podcast definitely sort of skews to that side of the industry. It'd be great to understand, you know, if you were – going in tomorrow you know, meeting number one with a new appetizer and you're, you know your your sort of objective is to try and help them understand measurement like where do you start because I think that's what a lot of people sometimes just don't know like, how do you even get started on some of these like measurement journeys
0: well I think you try and find um sort of the smoking gun that shows them that what they're doing uh, uh is absurd and I think three or four or five years ago, it was there, but very hard. Luckily, right now, the world's made it much, much easier to have that initial piece. So let me explain. Um, we went to go and see a a status of luxury fashion. I'm the least fashionable man you ever want to know, but I was in that meeting.
1: Oh, well, I wouldn't be, so, wouldn't be too hard on yourself.
0: Well, yeah, others <laughs> others to judge, perhaps. But they, they couldn't work out why their um, campaign performance uh, had, been, uh, had been dropping. And we had a look at the reports, and they, they had never thought to pull a report by browser. And what it basically showed was that all of their delivery was going towards you know, Chrome and Android, and all of their sales on, on the website or the app were, were coming from, from Apple and iOS. And that makes sense, right? Because you know, people on Apple devices have a 40% higher average median salary, and definitely skew towards that more um, fashion end of the market, Just became more on Android. But what that did was that showed a real smoking gun to this, to this company to go, look, you, with, your current market, with your current measurement setup, you cannot measure your core customers. And because you can't measure them, you can't run direct response advertising towards them. Because you have a direct response budget for stuff you can't measure is zero. Therefore, unless you fix this, you can't run marketing. And that was a really eye-opening uh, point. Now, this company was like 90% skewed towards uh, Apple iOS. But luckily, Apple iOS is so huge that most companies have a huge, huge need for that audience. And when you start to show them that they can't achieve that through their current activities and you show them very, very simple, you, know, you, you can do it live in a meeting with them. Go, right, I want you to load up your analytics, We want you to load up your, your DSP delivery or your, um, or your meta delivery, whatever it is you're doing, and I will show you the conflict. And we can do it live in real time. And suddenly you see the, it click. And once you can then see that real world example, people then start to think about, well, okay, well, we must reach these customers, otherwise we're not going to be able to sort of you know, progress our business. And you start to get that real world buy. you have to make it real for them. If it's if it's ethereal, if it's all kind of just lost to the numbers, I think people kind of get you know people sort of glaze over and, and don't really get it. And for a long time when you when you couldn't track 20%, you weren't sure where it was, and it was all up here, down there, no one really knows it, people just glazed over. When you really point to like concrete examples of what doesn't work and what that means for your business, then suddenly you can get that engagement um, and you can use that as a sort of a crux and drive through change
1: yeah, I think that's a I think that's a really good piece of advice to find tangible and specific examples and then work out what the challenge those are um, and we've sort of touched on it's kind of my second to last question but the we sort of touched on app on iOS I know you write you know you write and think about a lot how frustrating it is that just because measurement has changed and that it means the brands are dialing off and it also therefore means that I know if you speak to media owners and their CPMs that they get on iOS at the moment are just super low where do you think that sort of shakes out like how, how do buyers sort of shift back to spending you know the, the appropriate amount on iOS as opposed to leading to the environments which are sort of easier to measure
0: well, I, I think it starts with education. So, so many uh, DSP buyers or meta buyers have been, ta- have been just taught to hit low CPA, low, uh, high ROI, it's been nailed into them. And the report from the DSP or the, or, or, or the buying platform is gospel to them. And so it's, they do whatever they can to hit that number. Because if they don't, they've, they've had years of being you know, told off by their superiors, and if they do well, they've been patted on the back. To then go and say to that same buyer, ah, that's not your metric anymore, is a real a real challenge for a lot of them. They look at you like it doesn't compute. What what, what do you mean? I'm not trying to hit a, a lower CPA in the DSP just because you can't measure it. What do you mean? So you've you've really got to educate, and you've got to educate all different forms of the of, of the business. You've got to educate so that when marketing strategy understands that there's a there's a it has gaps. Not only in, on Apple display, but also worlds like CTV, um, which are hard to measure. You know, retail media has its own um, massive opportunities but measurement, uh, measurement challenges. The people that use, use ad blockers, you need to be aware that these blind spots exist. And they're only going to get bigger. You need to be aware that they're strategically important, that it's worth putting effort into those areas. You need to think about how, how can we solve for it? Well, there's lots of different ways. you, know, you, you could invest in medium mix modeling, you could invest in identity providers, um, you could increase your brand budget and push your brand budget more towards some of these blind spots and then leave direct response to where is it that still work. Yeah, there's a whole variety of things that you can do, but you have to educate that all the way through uh, all, the way, all the way through the sort of the, the, the marketing cycle within, within a business, right the way up to the CEO and CFO if they're also getting involved in, uh, in deciding budgets. And how does that then net out for, for the rest of the industry? Well, uh, you, you've got to really feel sorry for, for, for publishers, right? Because the, the people who are creating all of the content have seen the fact that money spent on digital media has gone through the roof for the last 20 years. And it's created trillions of dollars of value for Google, Meta, Amazon, who don't actually create any content. And yet, actually, our major publishers have generally got poorer over the last 20 years. And a lot of that is because they're not being adequately rewarded for the audiences of the environment that they suggest. And that's only got worse with the, with the iOS situation. So what, what I think they need to do is to really help tell, them, tell the story as to what's happening. Because unfortunately, the, tech, the world of technology companies is, is unfortunately hiding from it. You know, DSPs do not open up with, for the most part, there are a few exceptions, but for the most part, they don't open up with the fact that, ah, oh, use our DSP, won't work very well on Apple. You will never hear Google talk about it unless they're asked to do so. You will never hear Meta talk about it unless they're asked uh, to do about it. And increasingly, the larger agencies aren't talking about it either because, well, why is a whole question for all of the other podcasts, but they're not talking about it enough. So, therefore, it's down to the publishers, I think, to really evangelize for this, this value gap and how they can help uh, solve for it. And we're starting to see it. And I think we're starting to now see companies measured differently. And yeah, I'm really optimistic that as we kind of wash through this, this period, and you know, once the cookie finally finishes off, if it does next year, actually we could be in a better place for it, where, where marketers actually value the real-world value of the media they're buying again, um, rather than a questionable of uh, numbers from a large publisher
1: yeah i'm I, i'm definitely a, a, excited about the future there's going to be you know some sort of teeth and pains of course that always happens in evolution but uh, this has been a great role. thanks for your time and you know, i've covered so much and in a super informative and educational way so thank you for sharing um my final question is you know that this podcast series is centered around transformation some people might think that is a tired and overused term, but I think it's especially relevant um, where we are as an industry and where kind of things are going next 18 months. What's the What's the one way would you think we'll see measurement transform until the next 18 months?
0: Well, I think it's the way it will happen is, is actually you know, if, through some of the great work that like yourself are doing, way well, in education. If we can educate enough people that it needs to change, then then that will drive through success. And if we also then can really kind of evangelize about companies that have done it well and how they've driven growth. Yeah. People people want to succeed, right? And if they can see others succeeding and, and having a great uh, sort of time doing this, then that will, that will drive through the next generation. But it, but it all starts with education.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. I mean, the people listening, I'm sure will want to contact you. Where's the best place to find you and if they have any questions?
0: Yeah, please do. Uh, you can find me uh, sort of uh, at... Uh, our Webster at controlvexposed.com. Uh, I'm also on on Twitter and LinkedIn.
1: Perfect. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Wayne, for, it. Thanks for being here.